Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports. And it is comics time as we are talking Marvel's The Eternals, which uh, came out last week. Spoiler alert going forward if you have not yet seen The Eternals. And judging by some of the box office, you haven't. Uh, the We will be spoiling The Eternals from now on. Uh, joining me today to talk Eternals, uh, Kevin Miller. How the heck are you, Kev? Hey, not bad. How are you? I'm not doing too bad at all. It's great to have you back. Normally, I don't do this. I mean, it, when we get into the these Marvel films, as we are off to do, I don't normally like to start it off this way, but I think we need it for context for the release of this film so far. So, right now, this movie, and I'll preface this by saying that I the the Rotten Tomato system is deeply deeply flawed in in its algorithm and whatnot that it uses to judge these movies. But we need this for context in the current uh, landscape and story behind this uh, particular movie that is coming out. But the Eternals currently forty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes via the critic o meter. Audience scores at 80%. I believe that's a bit high. And I believe the 46 is too low and the 80 is too high. I believe the proof, the proof is uh, somewhere in the middle on that one. It is currently the lowest rated MCU film of all time, beating out Thor The Dark World, which many have, you know, a lot of people when they're making their MCU rankings, they kind of start with uh, Thor The Dark World at the bottom and then work their way up from there. This, you need a foundation somewhere. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Um, can't build a house without a certain foundation. You're right. Um, so, box office, it was okay. I'm still not really. It, it's still tough for me to judge in in this this current. I hesitate to say post, but in um, I don't have a better name for it. But the current post COVID era, even though obviously we're not in the post COVID era, but um, I'm still a bit wary on on judging box office turnouts currently. Uh, given given how the world is, but you know it is what it is, and it's the best system we've got for now. <laughs> but uh, box office so far only 166, quote unquote, only 166 million worldwide uh, across a budget of 200 million. Uh, reviews. Th- th- this has somewhat divided the the fan base a little bit, and it's it's gotten a lot now. And the, the thing you have to watch out with that, like, Rotten Tomatoes score, I, I you got to watch out for stuff. Like, there was a lot of trolls. There was a lot of trolls who were, you know, t- trying to take it down who had not seen the movie because there, there was the movie had not yet been released to the public, yet the audience score, I believe, on Wednesday <laughs> before it, it had even hit theaters was like below 10% or whatever. And so, obviously, people were dive-bombing this. This... Yeah, I, I noticed that before it was released, the IMDb score was something around like a six, like <laughs> from the hundreds of people who hadn't seen it yet. Who hadn't seen it and were just saying whatever. Now, we're, we're going to attempt to parse through that type of trolly nonsense to find the, the, the real stuff for this one, but... Yeah, this is the sort of uh, review bombing narrative that's kind of been set in the past on MCU movies, typically when the lead character is not a white man. Fair, um, yeah, so for it, true. It happened with Captain Marvel. It happened with Black Panther, which was an excellent movie. So I it, mean, yeah, it, it recently happened who with wanna, who want to sort of criticize the perceived wokeness 
before you know interpreting the actual film. Mm-hmm. We'll and <laughs> we'll we'll get yeah we'll get into that because I have some I have some 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 issues with some of the stuff that went on in this movie. But uh, let's yep. just get it out. Let's let's get it out overall. Where do you have where do you where do you uh, land? Because this movie. I, I would say the the conversation amongst the the Twitter sphere, the social media sphere, the the nerd sphere. Um, I I'd say that the nerd culture has not been this divided on a movie since the Last Jedi. Like this movie's getting the Last Jedi treatment <laughs> to me. Yeah. I th- I think it's incredibly accurate because this is a movie where well, like one of the biggest complaints about like like the biggest complaint that people have who are kind of out on the MCU is. Hey, those movies are all the same. Now, I would bite back against that, saying that, I mean, they're all kind of the same in the sense that, in in the superhero sense of, you know, regular person discovers either a super suit or a superpower or whatever, and then you know saves yep. the day in 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 the third act, right? So in some it, pathos and some action and some comedy, and it's sort of mm-hmm. like, like we can recognize yeah. like the. A sort of Marvel formula, even if the genres aren't always the same. Or Absolutely. The, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but they managed to fix, you know, the reason the MCU, the, the reason you bite back on that with the MCU is they switch it up by doing genre filmmaking. The one I keep going to is Ant-Man's your heist film and, and yep. uh, Winter Soldier's your your spy espionage thriller, etc., etc. So they've done that. So this is the first one where they, they really tried to kind of get away from that sort of style and and really try to do something quote unquote different uh in the mcu what where where do you fall on um and 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 i think that's why like the the whole different thing was i i think that that's why i feel comfortable comparing it to the to the kind of the way it was divisive the way the last jedi was divisive because the last jedi you know did that for me in the star wars film where the Force Awakens was just such a beat-for-beat remake of fucking uh, A New Hope that it offended me, quite frankly. And then Last Jedi, at least, while, you know, a movie with, you know, insane flaws and giant plot holes that you could drive a truck through, I walked out of that Star Wars film and where I remember going like, well, at least they tried some new shit in that movie, right? So where do you currently stand on The Eternals? And uh, follow-up question, uh, how many times did you go see it? Did you go see it once or twice? Uh, I've seen Eternals once. Uh, I saw it on Saturday with my stepdaughter. Um, I, I think the comparison to Last Jedi is an interesting one because The Last Jedi has a lot of stuff going on and some of it works and some of it doesn't and a lot of it doesn't and I can understand why it's a divisive movie in that way. Uh, whereas I feel like The Eternals doesn't really do a lot and that is one of my biggest issues with it, especially because it's a two and a half hour movie. Um, for me, it's uh, middle to low in the pack. I, I don't know that I would put it off worse than like Thor the Dark World, although I will say that the benefit of living in 2021 is that there have been things since Thor the Dark World that actually have almost improved it in retrospect. Um, such as additional Thor movies. Uh, there was some flashback stuff in, uh, in uh, Endgame and like the Loki series have all gone to sort of make that a better prospect for me in retrospect. Now I still don't think it's an amazing movie. Um, but uh, I, I think that Eternals was 
better than it, but not by a whole lot. Um, I, I really have some issues with the plotting and pacing and just general structure of this movie uh, that I'm sure we'll get into in a bigger way. How, how do you uh, rank it? I I think this is bottom four for me. I, I think I think it's way down there for me. I, I'd, I'd have to think about, like, I think it's in there with the the Iron Man, t- I think it's on the tier with Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World. I have Iron Man 3 on that tier, although I know that is somewhat controversial opinion to some people because some people really dig Iron Man 3. I think it's bad. And I, You I, bring I, that up a lot. <laughs> I do because it's bad. Um, I, I have it on that I have it on that tier. But I will say, I went into this with an open mind because I wasn't exactly sure obviously I knew that like the audience score and whatnot that it was getting on like Wednesday, Thursday last week were from trolls who hadn't seen the movie, who were either people who hate the MCU and wanted to dive bomb it. Be they, you know, DC only guys, be they with some sort of ax to grind, (laughs) ax to grind people, be they just fuck Marvel guys, be they the, you know, the, the, the worst subsections of trolling where they are, you know, they hate the diversity in the movie. They, they don't, you know, like they're, they're striking back against woke culture uh, as was uh, quoted by Joe Rogan and, and Aaron Rodgers this week. Um, boy, I really just did really dated that this podcast for someone who's checking this out at a later time. Um, but you know, so the people who are just dive bombing it because you know they they're going after the LGBTQ or or you know just people who just fucking don't like diversity in movies because they're horrible racist people. So I tried to put that all out of my movie, all out of my head, as I went to go see this film. But also, I had read some stuff that critics did not like. They said it was a bad film and that it was slow and that not a lot of stuff happened in it. And it just generally, you know, like there were some decent performances, but overall, and you know, it looked great, but overall it's not really a good movie. And, you know, some of that I, I take that and I'm like, okay, well, it's tough to take a critics, you know, and while most critics I think are, are, are you know, take their craft with a, uh, you know, they, they, they truly work on their craft and, and would never let anything corrupt what they would say. There are, you know, the, the, uh, there, there are a certain subsect of critics who, and and you know Hollywood, who just despise these <laughs> these MCU films and how popular they've gotten, i.e. Martin Scorsese, right? Um, yeah, it's hard not to get defensive um, when, from one corner, you're seeing people criticize it because it's you know yet another MCU movie. And on the other hand, you're seeing people criticize it because they're bigoted ass faces. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's hard not to be like, well, I can dismiss all of those people out of hand and I want to go into this movie with as open mm-hmm. a mind as possible because, you know, even on a bad day, even with a bad movie in the MCU, we still like all these movies, you know? <laughs> so that said, I went into this and, and, and I'm also not a big Eternals comic book fan. I... The Eternals have never had... I've never really got into them because they've never had a run that's gone on longer than 20 issues. So I've never really bothered with it. And the original Jack Kirby run, I think, only made it to 19. The Neil Gaiman run, which I ch- I knew I did try to read, like the, the, the Neil Gaiman run in like 06, I think it was. It, the, the mid-aughts somewhere there. And I... Because I was big into Neil Gaiman back then, so I was pretty much reading anything say, he did. Like this would be right in his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it absolutely was. And And... 
they brought most of the game in, I think, uh, to this particular movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I went in there knowing that, okay, if they do some twists and stuff, it's not going to offend me the way it would a, you know, if they change something in, say, a Batman verse or whatever, just because I don't really dig on the Eternals. And it never really had a big run. And with all this in mind, I sat down and I said, all right, here we go. Another MCU movie should be great, despite the fact that people are saying it might suck. And the second the Marvel logo went up and it followed with a horrible exposition words on the screen explaining to me what it's about to set up, I immediately went, oh, Fuck. <laughs> like I'm like the, the, the timing's a little bit different because it starts with the crawl. There's an opening scene, um, you know, in the Stone Age, uh, where it basically does the you know the the exposition dump in text, the exposition dump in you know actual scenes, uh, then the fight scene, and then the Marvel credits come up, and then we are jettisoned to the present. Uh, but there's like a there's like a, I, I want to say about five minutes before the, even the Marvel logo comes up. Like it literally starts with that title crawl. And that and anytime you need to do that, you know that you're not strong on your storytelling. Right? The so <laughs> yeah, the second I saw that, I was like, oh shit, this is not. That's a very very bad survive somehow start oh that was that was bad and and it it made me nervous from the get-go and then i gotta tell you i never really recovered from that i i overall i did not think that this movie was very good i thought the performances were actually quite terrible if we're being honest i'm hearing a lot of praise for how great the actors and actresses did i thought a lot of the performances were quite it's bad down because this is a, a ensemble cast movie and this is one mm-hmm. of my biggest beefs with this movie is that there is no real protagonist um it's There's no real antagonist cast. either it's it's there, there yeah. is, i will i will give it an antagonist but it's an antagonist that comes in with like an hour left in the movie um and, and it was quickly resolved uh so it's an ensemble cast, so we have ten Eternals. Um, if you gave me Should have a been few six. right now, I could probably name them all. Um, in addition to them, you also have the uh, Kingo's uh, uh, valet, who is uh, a large part of the movie and, and is uh, going concerned for most of it as well. So, I mean, you have like 11 and a half main characters in this movie, I'll say. Um and it gets muddled very fast, especially if you don't know who they are. Um, I saw it with my stepdaughter. She actually saw it um, uh, a couple days previous, like on opening day, um, and needed to see it a second time to even get who everyone's name was. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of where I started with it was like, okay, here's this exposition dump, and here's 10 characters that I don't know about at all. And, uh, you know, welcome to uh, another origin story, but it's an origin story for a whole gang. Um, I knew nothing going into Guardians of the Galaxy, but that was only five characters. <laughs> and one of them was a tree, right? Like, yeah. who, one of them was a tree, a tree who, who didn't need background. Enough. Yeah. Uh, so, it, th- this, th- this should have been a Disney Plus series. This should not have been a because like be d- my conclusion. <laughs> yeah, d- despite the fact that despite the fact that they had two hours and forty minutes, which was way too long, 
they needed more time <laughs> to to do this because here's, it should have been a dis- uh, your main cast of ten Eternals, um, who you know we're gonna try to uh, understand their seven thousand years of backstory each. Um, so that's already uh, you know a high bar to reach for, uh, and we basically get um, I want to say maybe six of them. Uh, you know, a, a dash or a spoonful of like, you know, backstory and character development. And that's kind of it. Like I couldn't, there are a few characters who I'm like, yeah, they're cool. They seem like a cool person. And they have like, you know, their demonstrations of their powers during fight scenes and action scenes and stuff like that. I couldn't tell you what their motivating factors are at all. And now, you know, based on my post credit scenes and where we're going to see these characters next, like I still don't know who these individuals really are, what their goals are, or what their hopes and fears are. <laughs> like, and, and the fact that they have to spread it out as much as they do is even the ones who get, like, you know, top billing, like Cersei, uh, Gemma Chan, uh, you know, we... Uh, you get just the barest amount of character development for someone who I think is supposed to be the main character. <sighs> Yeah, it just it it should have been it should have this should have been a television series because they could have done, you know, like ten episodes an hour a piece or whatever or like forty five minutes to an hour whatever they did with Loki and then yeah. we could have got all of their backstories one at a time or however you wanted to do it and then everybody could have stretched their wings and and really went after it and made us care about these characters before any of this happened and it would have worked because like spoiler alert the big twist is that Icarus uh is the bad guy Icarus of course played by Richard Madden um who was Rob Stark in Game of Thrones and on a bunch of uh, other and he's on a bunch of other shows obviously but he would be most well known for for Rob Stark in Game of Thrones and he was awful in this movie but I I don't blame him being awful on it's it's like a nothing it's a nothing character they basically like Icarus is supposed to be their superman and I, in the comic book they I do know that Icarus is like borderline indestructible in the comic books they don't really go out of their way to explain that in the movie so when it, he's just like a guy who flies around and could shoot laser beams but we see him getting his ass kicked for the most part in the first half of the movie he's wounded and, in that opening scene before the the marvel credits come up like we that that's given pretty early on yeah, and then he gets his ass kicked by, and I I didn't until I was reading it later, but apparently the 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 deviant that got a name, or, or that that did not get a name actually they didn't name him in the movie, but apparently never ever said in the movie because I had to look this up too. <laughs> and apparently that was supposed to be Crow, which I looked up afterwards and I was like, what? <laughs> that was supposed to be Crow? At no point did they mention that the one that Bill Skarsgård was doing the voice of, and that was oh, that, a, that, that was. I looked up, I'm like, Bill Skarsgård was in this. Who the fuck is Crow? <laughs> Yeah, that and yeah, and they never mentioned him, and I don't know if in the credits they put him up as Crow, but it says that on IMDb and on Wiki that he was Crow, and 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 boy, that was really that was really bad because they set him up like he was gonna sh- come up in the end and fight alongside them, and then didn't, and then was just sort of there so they could have a big CGI punchy monster for for Angelina Jolie to cut the head off at the end of the at the end of the f- fight, even though I'm like I thought and it was like oh. there seems to be this thing, and the the this is where the Zack Snyder of it all kind of comes in because like um, the uh, the woman who directed this movie. Uh, Chloe Zhao or Zhao, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. I'm terrible with pronouncing names, so please don't come after me. But uh, we'll we'll just call her CZ from here on out, I guess. So so <laughs> Chloe Zhao, um, 
cited that her inspiration for this movie was Man of Steel. Yep, I could. See and it. it obviously at that point I was like, oh, so you don't get this at all, <laughs> right? Like, why? Like, you know, why though? <laughs> yeah, why though? Because because like, and and that. Because, like, she's trying to do in this movie the same thing that Zack Snyder was trying to do with Man of Steel and BVS, which is doing this weird subverting of superhero kind of tropes. And the the uh, buzzword I've seen thrown around by people defending this movie is um, that they are, quote-unquote, deconstructing what it means to be a superhero and, and showing you, being like, well, let's make them flawed assholes. And the problem with that is, is that that's neither entertaining nor fun, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's 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 just well, not it's not, big beef. <laughs> not and also you don't care about these people, and if they're inherently selfish and only out for themselves, it it doesn't hit when you know like at at the end of the movie unless you re- unless you're telling a really good story it does not hit well when they they do things at the end and that it, like when they do the heroic thing at the end which this movie just flat out does not get there these these they portray all of these eternals as like we've been on earth for 7000 years and it's like well what have you done well you've acted incredibly selfishly for the most part one character doesn't do anything except steal shit and bring it back to their ship for the 7,000 years that she is on the planet. And then at the end is like, okay, I was waiting for you guys to get here. And then it's like, what? Why am I supposed to care about this person? And it's just... And that's that's one of the examples I wanted to bring up because I mentioned, like, you know, there are characters who the pieces that we see of them seem cool and Makari seemed cool to me but like she's in like 13 minutes of this movie and we get no sort of uh take on what her stance on anything is really uh as as much as things seem to be divided uh between like okay every time they're going on like this road trip or hey we're gonna get the band back together after like 1500 years or something that it is or 500 years um, and you know, what's everyone been up to? Oh, this guy's been making Bollywood movies for the last hundred years. That's fine. Like, and it is like uh, Kamel Nanjiani is a hundred percent, the shining star of this movie for me. Um, <laughs> but I want to come back to that. Go ahead. But, but I mean, you know, I, and that's even with a grain of salt because again, we don't get a ton. Um, but, uh, you know, for a lot of these people, it's like, okay, well, here are the four events over the last 7,000 years that I guess are going to tell you everything you need to know about these people, which is scant. And that's one of the reasons why I think it would have made a good television series, because you could almost do like a Orange is the New Black sort of format where you're like, this is uh, Gilgamesh's episode. And here's some flashbacks to conversations he's had over the last few thousand years and etc and what he's dealing with now and and how that pertains to our main plot and so on uh you could have you know spent some time one by one going in depth with these characters and you just don't get it for half of this cast like you get these <laughs> these you you get these interesting fight scenes and and i'll get into the fight scenes a bit more too because i have some beef with them uh you get these interesting fight scenes and you get these interesting historical scenes that um are are interesting from sort of that 
historical fiction perspective where it's like, okay, well, here's a guy named Gilgamesh and he's fighting a, a deviant that looks like a bull outside of the walls of Babylon. Like, yeah, I get where the story of Gilgamesh comes from now, <laughs> you know, like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's, it's fun from like sort of a, Oh, that's a historical Easter egg for real life that I get um, to have that be sort of the interpretation of that. And Sprite tells her story in that scene. And, and that was kind of cool, but you know, you get like four flashbacks across 7,000 years and it's supposed to tell you everything that you need to know about these characters. And then they go on their road trip and they start picking up new people. And every time they do, they have to explain what's going on as if it's the first time. And uh, then we get to hear why so-and-so doesn't think it's a good idea or does think it's a good idea and, and et cetera, et cetera. And it just is very plotting. It, it feels like a like a... It feels like a JRPG from like the mid '90s, where it's just like, how can we fill time with random encounters and exposition and repeating dialogue and getting the party together before we actually get into like the sort of end game of it? Yeah, it, it was. It, it, I there's not too much dialogue in this movie that wasn't just flat out exposition, which is bad. The jump cutting back and, f- like, and oh, it's terrible. Icarus as like your Superman analog, like it's the same thing I said about Brandon Routh, Superman, which is that the at least you can say that he seems like he's an alien, like there's no humanity in him whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and 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 Richard Madden and his performance was really bad, but like it it had to do with the character and the fact that the twist was that he was the bad guy at the end, so. He's doing this really bad, understated performance in the beginning half of the film, and then at the end, he just goes to like kind of chew the scenery, bad guy. Which, and it was just like you really hadn't earned the chew in the scenery kind of stuff that went on in the third act, and it just it, it, it wasn't good. And I never once bought that like. And he's just kind of a toxic character too, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and, but like not in a good bad, not in a good bad guy way in a like, villain sort of way <laughs> in a fuck boy way too right because he was he was like he left cersei for however many hundreds of years and then uh the second she's with kit harrington's character who you know kit harrington good, good on him for grabbing the bag for about six minutes of work in the in this entire film <laughs> yeah. uh yeah god i wonder how much that cost he you know, he shows up after she's she's uh, together with this guy, and then you know this he he ends up like you know he's like I killed all your mother, which did not hit at all in this movie, and and is another reason why it should have been uh, a television series. Because imagine if we built up to like eight episodes, and then all of a sudden it's like you know, and all of a sudden Icarus kills Ajax, and it's it it, it could have been a moment, and in this movie it just it was nothing. It 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 was absolutely nothing. And Selma Hayek was bad in this movie too. She she like I I don't know if she was on like Xanax or whatever, but like she was clearly counting the money in her head while she was spewing out this like horrible horrible expositiony dialogue. And everyone has this sort of uh, this this demeanor of like we can't interfere we have to be stoic and stewards of this and so everyone comes across as very like we're gonna stand here and look impressive and be very statuesque and look at us aren't we heroes like we're gonna have this sort of bullshit uh half-assed version of the you know uh, prime directive from Star Trek where we must not interfere, but we're going to interfere in these specific ways. And we can only, 
we can only fight if it's against deviants, but we're also going to provide humanity with invention. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're we're not going to interfere, but we're definitely going to interfere. We're going to do exactly. It, it, oh, it was... the opening scene before the title comes in. It's like uh, Cersei gives that uh, boy that she saved. He's got like the the obsidian knife and stuff like that that he was hunting with, and she's like, "Nah, it's bronze now. Welcome to the Bronze Age, bitch." Yeah. Like, really? Okay. Right away, huh? Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, it was, it was, yeah, it was not good. It, 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 it's, it's, it's flat out. It's not a good plot. It's not a good. It's not a well acted film. I, I mean, they had Angelina Jolie, who's considered one of the greatest actresses on planet Earth and of all time, and it, it's, it's, it's a nothing character where she's just sitting there and and she's like, ooh, I've got what did they call it, the Mad Weary or whatever the heck she basically, she's got it, space yeah. dementia the entire movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, she's got, God. she's got a million years worth of memories that are starting to overload her hard drive, so she yeah, which out now and then, I guess, which was the. Which was the other big twist in this movie is that they were all robots. Which robots. was they're all, they're all hot, sexy space robots, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so Sam Wilson in Falcon and the Winter Soldier is like aliens, robots, wizards. This this show's got it all. Yeah. This yeah exactly. This is this is all three of the big three according to uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, and that was well, that was a plot twist that I was kind of because like I, I'm, I'm fairly certain there was no. The Eternals are not robots in the comic book, so that was a thing that was was kind of made up. Yeah, not not quite the uh, title crawl at the beginning of the movie, but that was also a a ten to twelve minute info dump. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was bad too, and that that yeah, go that was, yeah, that was long during that part because it was like you know particularly slow. Yeah, like, hey, we're all gonna have lunch in the desert together, and I'm like, oh, better stay for this exposition, I guess. Yeah, that that was not that was not good. But uh, it, it just yeah, it, it's it's not it's not good. It's not good. And I didn't really care about any like they didn't do anything to make me care about any of the the these Eternals. Like, did you care about any, any of them? Like, did you have a favorite Eternal? Uh, I liked Kamel Nanjiani's Kingo, and only because he seemed to have a sense of humor and wasn't just a in a different uh, movie altogether. Robot for the entire movie. Yeah, the the rewatchables podcast has this thing called uh, they they have an award whenever they redo a movie, and it's called the award for I, I forget what it is, but the 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 inference is that in every movie there's always somebody who's acting like they're in a completely different movie, oh. and in some movie and in some movies it's more glaring than others, and it was pretty glaring that Kumal Nanjiani is in a he's in an actual MCU movie. And then yes. the rest of the characters are in a Zack Snyder film, right? Which yeah, is exactly yeah, like it. It was. I mean, the joke I've seen some people making on the internet about the Eternals was that you know we we all wanted the, you know comic book movie lovers wanted the DCEU to be more like the MCU, and with the Eternals they flipped it the other way, where this movie yeah. is definitely more like a DCEU, where everybody's like super depressed and not happy and it's just like but it's all not none of their all of their depression is like self-inflicted right so it's it's like and and so none of it is like none of it is relatable in the sense that it's like well you can 
easily not <laughs> do this, right? You have the power. It's not like in real life where people don't necessarily have the power to affect immediate change in their life and it becomes a, a an actual spiritual journey in real life, whereas these all characters can, can have the ability to you know, change it like to that. Like this, you know, the reason that, you know, the, the two motivating factors, we'll get into this a little bit too, the two motivating factors that, you know, humanity have to do anything are uh, love and death. Uh, Thanos and Eros. <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Aristas! Um, <laughs> uh, so, but like, so if you are eternal, then I guess you just don't get to grow or evolve at all. And so the only person who seemed to be having any fun is someone who's like, you know, uh, King O. I, you know, he's like, I love humanity. I want to be a part of it. I've been on this Bollywood uh, uh, one-man dynasty for the last 120 years or whatever. Here's my great-grandfather, who's actually me. And, like, running through the posters, like, I thought that was really cool. And the fact that he has, like, an assistant and there's, like, that uh, Bollywood dance number at the beginning of the movie. Like, those were good scenes. <laughs> Yeah, that that was probably the highlight of the film for me, and added color too, because I don't like this movie weirdly vacillated between like the Zack Snyder style of dark and no color, and then being very bright. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's doing like his Bollywood movie, which is like a biography of Icarus, it rang to me very much like the Thor Ragnarok Loki producing a play about himself. Yeah, great stuff. So I was and, like, oh, the, the problem I have with his kingo character is that it he is in he is wildly inconsequential in this movie like he he doesn't (laughs) true but i mean he isn't he also fucks off before the third act of the movie which it was like okay and his whole reason for fucking off was he like he he shows up and he's like oh i'm kingo and then they all go to the desert to have their you know vision quest that uh, you know leads to the the to the 10 minute exposition scene where they're talking to uh uh um Arishem, the celestial who explains the plot of the movie and uh then he leaves that's it he gets there and he's like oh uh well i guess we're all going to die and takes off and then he he isn't even there when like his whole thing is he he looks at uh richard madden's icarus and goes you know you're my boy and they never really established that (laughs) he's like you know you're my boy i'll follow you to the end of the earth they don't really set that up other than the fact that he's like hey i'm doing a bollywood movie about you but like they don't they don't set like they don't they don't show that kumal nanjiani's character is 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 like this guy and him have been go way so far back that we yeah, understand after, that after he's going to listen to him after the scene in the 1500s at Tenochtitlan, lawn where they all decide that they're going to break up and you know never see each other again you don't get the impression that they like each other anymore at all no and then he yeah so he's like you're my boy you know i'll do whatever you want but i'm i'm just leaving now before this happens after he finds out that he's like okay we got three days or whatever before we all die and then he just leaves and i'm like thinking Okay, that's not going to be all for Kumal Nanjiani. He's going to show up like like he's he's now he now becomes Chekhov's gun, right? He literally becomes Chekhov's gun. Where it's like, okay, if you introduce a Kumal Nanjiani, he has to go off in the third act, right? And there's this there's the moment where there's the moment where Icarus has beaten everybody, and Gemma Chan is doing her um 
transmutation thing where she's trying to transmute uh, Tiamat the big celestial and 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 Icarus is lining up the laser eyes and he's yep. going to blast her and I'm like okay this is where Kumal Nanjiani comes in and he's going to Han Solo it because he's established that he loves movies and stuff so he he's going to Han Solo it and he's going to come in and he's going to finger blast because that was apparently his power was he's going to finger blast Icarus and save the day and that never happens. So Kumal Nanjiani is literally Chekhov's gun if it doesn't go off in this movie. And that's that's bad. That's really, really bad. That's a really bad way to tell a story. He just fucks off for the third act and then doesn't come back until after the day is saved. And starts taking credit for it. And that's really, really bad. That made me hate Kumal Nanjiani, which, quite frankly, I didn't think was possible. Right? And again, not his fault, because that's just bad writing. I don't know why they, they chose to write it like that. It's, it's almost like they forgot, and it's because they had nine other characters to play with. You know? Yeah. And originally they were going to do 12, apparently. Like, oh, we're going to throw Druig into a hole in the ground, and he's going to be the one who shows up at the last second to, to kick Icarus in the head out of the way. You know... I think I think that's what happened. I don't. Remember. I well. They, also, they set him. Well, also they set Druig up. They, they, uh, Barry Keegan's uh, Druig. They they set him up where it's like he's gonna be the bad guy yeah. when they all leave because he's like I can. He's like I can stop them from doing stuff. Uh, but the only way I can do that is by taking away their free will, right? Because his power was mind control and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, don't interfere with humanity unless it's too... But we'll definitely put a mind control guy on our team. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> like he... What, what purpose could he serve if not to yeah. interfere? <laughs> and and he, he goes off and creates his, like, cult in the, in the woods that I guess had been living there for... They don't really say how long, but it's inferred that it's, like, thousands of years he's been living in the woods with a... a small cabal of of cult members that he might like we're unsure exactly how much mind control he's using on them so they set him up to be the the antagonist of this film but then don't really pay off that he's not the antagonist of the film in any sort of good way and then actually kind of infer that he was right to take away other people's free will yep, and i'm and just like, like let's vaguely romantic subplot <laughs> yeah that with with uh the with makari who showed up uh was uh who, who again shows up right before the third act, right? Starts yep, like and her whole thing is to not be there until she's there, uh, and then run around real fast and find where the emergence is going to happen, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, got some moves that are in fight scenes that seem pretty cool. I would have liked to see more of that character. Like, uh, yeah, and the running around stuff about the looked. Fight scenes in these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can get into the fight scenes right now if you want. I mean, the running around stuff looked gorgeous. I did think the actual battle in the third act was pretty strong in terms of depicting the powers that these characters had. Yes, I, I'll, I'll say it was good, and I'll say it was good specifically because they are actually using like visual effects to like a decent degree at that point. Um but for largely across the for the rest of this movie, and I'll say even in part in that scene as well, um, for having a cabal of ten superpowered people who are effectively immortal and fight aliens from outer space, and you know ha- are wielding all this grand cosmic power, the fight seems seem really small. It's like fighting two uh, three deviants in the forest. Or, like, you know, two on a beach. 
like the the, the yeah. little locales change and that's sort of the star of the show like there's a lot of great visuals in this movie where they're setting up scenes and stuff like that but like the fights are very small stakes until you know it becomes oh shit the world's going to be destroyed um when the you know thing that's been cooking at the core of the planet emerges which is literally the plot of the middle of steven universe if you've ever seen it <laughs> no Oh, God, he's never making jokes during the movie. We're like, oh, the cluster, it's going to emerge. <laughs> the word emergence. And I'm like, oh, God, it's exactly Steven Universe. Oh, yeah. And, and like, Selma Hayek's Ajax is like, oh, man, you know, she's been on Earth. She's been on Earth for seven, close to 8,000 years now. And she goes, oh, once Thanos snapped, uh, <laughs> once Thanos snapped. Yep. snap the finger i realized we needed to interfere and then uh, he's like how much time do we got this job and i'm one day from retirement and i decided i love humanity yeah and like <laughs> and she's and he goes how much time do we have seven days till the emergence and i'm like that's not the 11th hour that's the 11th hour in the 59th minute for the love of god what are yeah. you talking you've been here for eight thousand years and seven days left retirement <laughs> yeah seven days left you're like ah you know, like well, this is this is where I, this, yeah, it, came up before. Oh like, god, this is, this is the uh, this is the sitcom issue that we always have, which is like these problems wouldn't happen if these characters would just talk to each other. Yeah, it's always, it's always some misunderstanding that so and so. Oh, you know, I saw a man and a woman in the same room together, and they appeared to be intimate. So that means they're definitely cheating on me, like that sort of thing in a sitcom. And and like but, the whole this, it's like oh, so and so made a micro expression at me two thousand years ago, and now I'm gonna let the Earth be destroyed as a result. Like what? <laughs> and it's just so like, and and it's so bad that at the core of this film is a let's get the band back together movie, and they decide hey, let's get the band back together within the first twenty minutes of a two hour and forty minute film, and they don't actually get the entire band back together until the like two hour and 20 minutes into the film right and it's like yeah, because it's like you know, man 40 that's minutes bad of, and, it, and it repeats a couple times here's like a 40 minute chunk of we're gonna go to this location to reunite with somebody there's gonna be deviants there we're gonna fight them then we're gonna have this philosophical debate about whether or not what we're doing is the right thing to do and someone so is gonna bring like their 30 second sort of uh speech to it about you know I can do this because I want to fight for this reason, or I don't want to do this because I have to protect my family slash cult slash, you know, movie career slash whatever, um, you know, and, and, and then they fight and then they decide to work together and then they move on to the next thing and you wash, rinse, repeat, you know, there's another battle, there's another philosophical conversation and it's just like, Okay, we've got our desert scene, we've got our beach scene, we've got our forest scene. Uh, is there a volcano scene? Yeah, fucking of course there is. Is there a you know underwater scene? Nearly. Like they they basically go through the you know Sonic the Hedgehog biome levels of you know this one's the city, this one's the factory, this is the beach, the desert, the casino, um, and uh, they're just gonna have the same conversation and the same fight scene with two or three deviants and then rinse repeat for what three times in this movie acts two through four yeah there was a little splash of james wan's aquaman in this too where james wan's like i'm gonna get everything in this film right like i'm gonna, I'm gonna get every set piece i can in this film and it's gonna look gorgeous the entire time because that was easily the star of this film was was the the cinematography right which is again why it is reminding me of a Zack snyder film because 
Snyder can't tell. He's not a storyteller, but man, can he frame an image like no and 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 an image for sure. Yeah, and 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 Chloe Zhao or Zhao again, don't know Chloe, uh, the director. Just a gorgeous looking movie for the most part, absolutely. Like, and I love their whole like the 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 gold and blue aesthetic of all the uh, yeah of all the, the Eternals. Look is great. Whoa, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Some of the CGI. Eh, not so much, but like, yeah, this movie definitely has like, it's definitely got a villain problem. It's definitely got an entire, a, a, uh, a protagonist problem. Like you suggested, cause we're not exactly sure who the, the hero of this movie is. Some of the characters are flat out annoying. Like Leah McHugh's Sprite. Listen, it, this is, this is a child actor performance. I believe the pinnacle of child acting performance is probably, uh, oh God, um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Interview with a Vampire, Kevin. Oh, Kristen Dunst. Kristen Dunst in Interview with a Vampire is probably the height of, of ch- the, like the, probably the pinnacle of child acting. I don't know. I've never seen Leah McHugh in anything else, quite frankly. Shh. She is not good in this movie, and it's a terrible character. The twist that, like, this character is so bad that they literally have to have Kumal Nanjiani vomit out the character to you, explaining, you're Tinkerbell, and he's Peter Pan, and she's Wendy, and I'm like, yeah, like, even in this terrible movie, it. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm like, even in this terrible movie, like, and it's so bad, because, like, like, Kumal Nanjiani also goes, oh, she was in love with him. Do you not get that? And I'm thinking, sitting there thinking, no, <laughs> like no. if I was any of the, uh, if I was, in, yeah, if I was any of the Eternals, even after eight thousand years, no, I did not know that because <laughs> it was so poorly brought about on the screen. So then her wrestling style heel twist at the end means nothing whatsoever. And and oh god, yeah, like where she goes off with Icarus and joins and and joins him so that i guess it like evens up the fight in the third act a little bit but it, it just I like her heel not. turn didn't even make sense and then very much like oh she's causing illusions you can tell because you know ajak is back and she's saying mean things about seriously it's like yeah i know this isn't real I, I'm yeah no, like, at no point does seriously even believe it no <laughs> it was point? such a bad plan and she's still able to get the backstab in and then at the end she's like I can give you what you want. I can make you human so you can live your life. And it's like, she stabbed you in the back two minutes ago. <laughs> like, like not, not, not figuratively, literally stabbed you in the back. It's like, yeah. what is what is happening? It was... It also, was... it's sort of implied that they've been living together in London for the last 500 years. So it's like... like yeah! <laughs> you're going to tell me that you have more loyalty to Icarus than that? <laughs> yeah, because you apparently love him or something and you've never been able to feel love because you're... Your character's twelve years old, but you—they only briefly touched on the 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 uh, the weight of that for about three seconds in a bar scene, and never really brought it up after that. For the rest of the movie, you seem pretty okay being the illusionist character, and it, it was just like, oh god, I whatever. <sighs> it's yeah. not a good movie. It was not a good movie. Uh, this one's going to be tough in rewatches too. Cause like, it's long, it is long, it well, is long. long. And, it's, and it's not 
the, the, the set pieces are, you know, while beautiful and displaying all the different parts of the earth that, you know, are, uh, you know, beautiful for different reasons. All the, you know, the desert, the beach, the the uh, jungle, etc. <laughs> all the all the biomes that we get like that's nice. But everything that's happening in them is very much like here's a relatively simple fight scene for these people who are supposed to have divine cosmic power from a literal god. Um, and it's, it's, we're going to use it to shoot lasers at some, uh, CGI monsters for a while, but only a couple of them. And you never feel like anyone's in any actual danger, even when they are. Um, and then we're going to rinse and repeat that a few times for two and a half hours. And then there's going to be a fight scene where, you know, if the characters had talked to each other more than just over the last week, then probably this wouldn't have been necessary at any point. So like it, it, like is it just a happy convenience that, you know, everything that happened in the Infinity Saga happened and then Ajax was, you know, fell in love with humanity enough for this to even come out as a plot six days before the Earth was going to be destroyed? Like, you're really cutting it down to the wire. Like you said, you're at like 11.59.59 59 at that point. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's silly. It asks us to take too much on faith. And for characters that we don't know, we don't get to know. And now we're supposed to, uh, like, it, it feels very much like a two and a half hour trailer for whatever's now coming next as a result of these end credit scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get to the stingers later. I'm not quite ready to talk about the stingers because the stingers were the best part of this film. Uh, far and away for me. Um, let's talk about some of the things that were perceived as being quote unquote controversial. Uh, in this film, let's start off with the first. Uh, I, is it even the first sex scene in the history of the MCU? Because technically, Tony Stark has a uh, uh, sex scene Tony in the very Stark first Iron Man, right? First, like eight minutes of Iron. <laughs> yeah, which was honestly a bit more raunchy because he's like it. Sh- it shows yeah. him throwing a, him and a, a woman. Like it's it's so the MCU is so chaste. Like it, like they literally have this like is America just a prudish country, Kevin? I don't know because like this was considered controversial was the fact that like Gemma Chan and Richard Madden were having PG thirteen sex on top of a rock. Which if you're a superhero whose power is transmutation, why are you fucking on a rock? Like yeah, you right? can like what are you doing? Something. something, anything, a plush bed, silk sheets, whatever you got. You're not fucking on a rock for the first time in five thousand years of your goddamn transmutator, right? Like what are you talking about? Get out of my face with that shit. Yeah, um, maybe that's the issue too. Is like we get to see those powers like four times in this movie. <laughs> Like, just a lack of imagination, I feel like, for a person who can change literally anything into literally anything else. Yeah, and and she was like, her go-to was sand most yeah. of the film, right? Well, just like, I'm going to turn... Yeah, I was just going to turn whatever this thing is into sand, yeah. I mean, wow, just to give you an indication of how bad this is, we haven't even brought up, like, two or three of the Eternals, and quite frankly, there's no reason to, because it doesn't fucking matter, right? Like, it's just... It, it absolutely does not matter. Um... What did, like, were you, um, I don't know how to phrase this question, but I mean, I guess the, like, the diversity, I, I don't want to say that the, the diversity was like, quote unquote, controversial, but I mean, I guess it was because there's some, uh, certain countries that are trying to have the, the, uh, gay kiss that was featured in this movie removed from certain cuts in certain countries. Yeah, sure. I mean, 
I'm I'm all for the diversity in the movies. I like that this was in a, you know, like no one loves the the Fast and the Furious movies more than me, which was kind of the original. Like, hey, what if we had a bunch of people that aren't just white people in a movie, right? And I I I I like the fact that they were like, let's do that same thing where 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 we have this nice array of of different like everybody's everybody seems to be present in this film. The cynic in me, uh, the the cynic in me, kind of says that I hope that this was done of their own volition and not just because a bunch of suits, a bunch of white people in a boardroom were like, okay, make sure you have like, you gotta have your, you make sure we're checking all the boxes because they are checking all the boxes in this movie, right? Like they're like, okay, we've got our, we've got our, our you know, gay person, gay character, we've got our you know, female character, we've got our Asian character, etc. Like, I, I, I hope that that was not the, the thing that said, I'm, I'm glad that we're getting this representation. I truly am. And this is coming from a, a middle-aged white man who, who, you know, I've seen plenty of me everywhere. (laughs) So I'm glad that we're getting this representation. That said, Kevin, I cannot believe that this was not stopped at first draft, this was not stopped at second draft. This was not stopped when they were filming it. I can't believe that somebody didn't tap anybody on the shoulder and say, should we be doing this? Is this good? Is this okay? I cannot believe that in a movie where representation was clearly important to them, that they said, we're just going to go ahead and blame a gay black man for Hiroshima, Kevin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How did that make it? Pa- how did that make? How did that make it past the draft to the point where they filmed that and let it happen in film? I leaned forward and was like, "You have got to be fucking kidding me, <laughs> right?" Like, I, I was like, with a lot of questions. Oh, fastos on the Manhattan Project. That I think that was absolutely the inference, Kevin. <laughs> like, was that a gay, a gay black man was responsible for Hiroshima? That was what they posited in the fucking Eternals. I could not believe that. That blew my fucking mind. And from Brian Tyree Henry, who is fucking incredible in an actor, and he was on. He was easily my favorite part of this film. I love him. Did you watch Atlanta? Because you should watch Atlanta. He is so fucking good in Atlanta. No, I, I did look him up afterwards because I I'm, did enjoy his performance. I'm pretty a, sure he, he, he's got some Emmys. And I'm pretty sure he was in uh, the original run of... I never got to see it. I'm pretty sure he was in the original run of... Uh, uh, the Book of Mormon on Broadway and stuff like oh, really? that, right? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was he was a big part. He played one of the main friggin' characters in in that like original run. It was like him and Josh Gad were like top billing in Josh in those. Uh, yeah, and those guys were all like top billing in 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 the the original run of 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 Book of Mormon and 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 whatnot. But he <laughs> is so fucking incredible in Atlanta, man. I can't, I can't, I I highly recommend Atlanta to you because uh, Donald Glover's in that too, right? Like they I and get into over the winter. <laughs> Well, it's him, Lakeith Stanfield, and Donald Glover. It, it they are like obviously I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, right. Like and and it oh, it is so fun. The third season's coming out soon. I can't fucking wait for it. Um, he was good in this film. His powers were by far the coolest in this movie to me. At where he gets uh, I, I what is like technomorphosis? I guess it was called. I guess would be the the sort of comic book phrasey term for it, where like he basically invents technology with his mind 
and uh, and and like he had like the. He had, to me, had the coolest moment in the in the movie when he used his, you know, rings or whatever to pin down Icarus, and then was like, "I've been wanting to do this for a while," and I'm like, "Okay, I buy that this character because like they yeah. they actually showed him fighting with him throughout the movie," and I'm like, "Okay, that's the one bit of uh, of you know kind of character development that kind of rang true for me in in that movie. Actually... It was just that one moment, right?" Yep, for sure. Uh, that that specific scene, and maybe you'll uh, come with me on this sort of comparison. But uh, the fact that that fight scene was very much like he's going to be firing his like uh, magic rings, and you know he's missing Icarus all the time. But what we find out afterwards is that he basically ended up seeding the battlefield with these things that effectively became a trap for Icarus. And it was you know the fact that he missed was not actually a miss at all, but more or less him just sort of starting to control the battlefield and, and turn it into a win. Yes. Um, it reminded me of the way that uh, fights used to go in Naruto. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Or it's like, haha, I was actually three moves ahead of you the whole time sort of vibe. Um, but uh, I, I definitely appreciated that. Uh, he was one of my favorites, uh, but it was hard to reconcile that with the fact that, uh, like Druig, I don't think he should have been on the mission in the first place. <laughs> because to be like, we won't interfere, but here's all this shitty technology and we're going to use it to, you know, uh, eventually basically, you know, cause Hiroshima. <laughs> like, you're right. I totally forgot about that scene, but it was totally wild. <laughs> Oh, like, it was real bad. You're gonna have oh. him being like the the crying Native American in the landfill, just being like, "What have I wrought?" <laughs> oh, that was bad, man. That was like, so bad. But it needed to be. It, and I get it because the way they framed it, it needed to be an event so bad that um, Festos just was like, "I'm out." Like I'm out. I'm done. Fuck humanity. I'm I'm not gonna do it. They don't they don't deserve our help. Whatever. So I, I realized they had to go for one of humanity's greatest uh, travesties that has ever happened. But it was just like I cannot believe that they let it get into the script. Here is <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wow! I cannot believe that in a movie where like they've clearly made a point that diversity is going to matter to them. Because uh, like it, quite frankly. It doesn't make sense that a, like, apparently representation was very important to the Celestial Arashem because he created all these people because they're all hot, sexy robots. And at one point he was like, you know what, I'm going to make one of them deaf for reasons not understood by me. Yeah, I had that question too. <laughs> right. I mean, it, I, I think it's fair to ask the question without, uh, you know, taking away from the fact that... Uh, you know, it, it's nice to see special needs people get their due in these movies as well for yeah, the first of time. Course. And, and, like, we're, I'm not trying to take any of that away, but it is very mm -hmm. much like, though, it, it's it's the question that doesn't get asked, even though several similar questions get asked. Like, mm -hmm. verbatim, Sprite basically asked, like, why would Arishem make me a child? Yeah. And there's no why would answer he, to it. But yeah, like, why would he create like, a deaf speedster? Right, <laughs> like, why would he do like that? A, a, a verbatim thing that's said is like, okay, well, why does, you know, why does Arishem care so much about diversity, about 
people like this, you know, what happens to all the other planets where there aren't humans, all these Eternals that were in that lineup look pretty fucking human to me. Like, obviously not everybody. It's the, it's the old Star Trek joke is like, why is everybody (laughs) across this galaxy just look like a human with like a nose ridge or a green makeup or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the real answer to that is because it's cheaper and television where it's like, Hey, this takes place on, you know, maybe not in the galaxy that we're used to, but like, you know, there were no Eternals that looked like, uh, like Mantis, for example, or Drax, or Groot, or uh, you know Rocket, or you know Korg, the giant rock man. And there easily could have been. And the fact that you know, I mean, obviously on Earth you want people who are humanoid looking, but even in that, um, even in that uh, that sort of flashback uh, exposition scene, like why can't we see a little bit more diversity if we know that these people are these beings are going to, you know, millions of planets across millions of years? I would say that it, for it me, less than the representation. I'm not saying there needs to be more room in Hollywood for weird aliens. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. True. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. But like. The, the, the question gets asked, why would Arishem make Sprite a kid? And there's never, it never makes a logical leap to why would Arishem uh, make a deaf person? And I'm not saying yeah. that the, those people aren't entirely valid and that the representation in the movie needs to be done. And maybe you can make some sort of claim about like the sonic booms that she's constantly causing, maybe deafened herself. Like, yeah, I have no just... clue. I'm not Put sure a little thought into it, right? Or if this is something that's different from the comics. I'm fairly no, I'm fairly, I'm fairly, I'm well. Macari in the, first off, Macari in the in the comic books I know is male, so they first off they switch that to female, which fine, I don't care sure, about that. Yeah. But I'm fairly certain. Again, not a big Eternals guy. I'm pretty sure the character was never deaf, and that's just something they went with. Yeah, I in mean, this if movie, it's a which is era character. I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, so I don't... Because, I mean, originally all the Celestials were all... Uh, were all Kirby riffing off of Greek mythology, right? So, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that was supposed to be... Like, Makari okay. was their, their Hermes, right? The, the the messenger god, or Mercury, right? Sort Mercury, of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean... Totally I'm, what, what I'm saying, I guess, is... Um, to sort just of put a little effort into why it's like that. With yeah. I don't want yeah. to be cynical about this. It does feel a little checkboxy to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I am also saying that as a cishet white man who has plenty of representation, and I'm sure having younger yeah. characters and Asian characters and, and you know, yeah. uh, genius black characters and gay characters and stuff like that that are underrepresented in Hollywood movies, especially something as big as like a Disney MCU movie, is going to be very powerful for some people. And, and Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for those people. That they have that representation now. Absolutely. I just just I put a, a just just a modicum of effort in the storytelling for me, <laughs> right? Oh, is sure. is yeah. But it's like absolutely, they just chose Com- not to use it. True. Com- exactly. Good point. <laughs> yeah, because the one thing this movie had was time. Uh, but yeah, completely agree with everything you just said vis-a-vis the the representation in this. That it's it's great to see it for for those who who don't always uh, yeah. get. There do. And if it means that there's a, a um, we can get into end credit stuff now if you want. Because yeah, let's get into the stingers. In a movie where, or a uh, a piece of a movie even where we have like Makari and Druig and Thena and and they're playing a more central role than they were in this. 
uh, and can get a bit more development, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. And so I, I tend to agree with you, like the, the sort of setup that this movie provides, because it's basically an origin story for a group of people that we had no information on before. Uh, there's very little crossover with other MCU stuff other than a couple mentions of like, you know, Captain America and uh, Iron Man and stuff like that um, to make you remember that, oh, yeah, this is an MCU movie and not a DCU movie. Um, but the, the, the sort of uh, nods that we get uh, in the, you know, Easter eggs in the uh, post credit scenes are sort of what I was waiting for, something to sort of tie it all back in for me. But, uh, just quickly before we get into the stingers, uh, what did you make of the constant references to DC Comics in this movie? It felt out of place and weird to me. Like, I, yeah. It felt like something that's like, are they allowed to say Batman? <laughs> yeah, like they, they said allowed? Batman, they said Superman, they referenced Han Solo, which, you know, makes sense because yeah. uh, they own Disney. I just that, that threw me for a loop. That put me in a weird that very much was like okay i'm very aware that i'm watching a movie right now when they said that right i just was yeah, like sure. yeah when one guy was like what are you batman now i was like what? whoa 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 <laughs> like you can't say that you can't say that right yeah. like, I had a moment uh, where it's like oh because i referred to richard madden as like superman at one point and i'm like well yeah hey, yes that's definitely what this character is and i'm like was he Superman at any point? No, no, he but, wasn't. Yeah. It was not him. All right. And it's and it's also like it's also like it's true, but he shouldn't say it. <laughs> like the old Marge yeah. Simpson line, right? Where it's like it's true, but he shouldn't say it. Yeah, it's just it to me it completely lined in with just the bad exposition y dialogues where it's like, Don't you get it? He's Superman. Yeah, we don't have to explain what his powers are if we just refer to him that the character that he's basically. Yeah, and then show him flying around shooting eye lasers at people. Um all right, let's talk about the stingers. So they had two stingers in this movie. Uh, the first one was the, the, the mid credit stinger caused an audible squeal from me, I will I will say. Uh, the, the second, uh, like, like a, a, a total fanboy squeal where I went, oh! <laughs> like, in the middle of the film. And that was when Pip the Troll came flying out of some sort of teleportation magic spell device i don't know what it was but he comes flying out mead in tow uh looking like absolute shit in cgi quite frankly that was a horrible i'm i hope they clean up the design on that going forward voiced by Patton oswald who why did it take Patton oswald why did it take him so long to get Patton oswald into this the man who basically invented the mcu in an episode of parks and recreation um it, it it just Man, like, yeah, and then and then Harry Styles walks in as Eros, uh, the Star Fox, Thanos' brother. I literally was like, oh, Eros, woo! <laughs> like, and, and then, oh, man, like, I, I definitely fanboyed out pretty hard, and I was kind of embarrassed by myself, because I, I hope I didn't ruin that for other people that were in the theaters <laughs> for me, because I just, I could not help myself, especially after sitting through, like, two, two and a half hours of virtually nothing entertaining happening on screen to then be given Pat Oswald as Pip the Troll and then Harry Styles as Star Fox. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm going to freak out in this moment. So apologies to anyone in the theater who I might have upset, but hopefully I, I contributed to the uh, to the excitement of the moment. Um, one I, thing I am... much for me was like, oh, that's Pat Oswald's voice and here's more characters I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so did you know that... Uh, did you recognize either of those characters right away? No. 
I did. No? Okay. Well, yeah, okay, I, I, so I, Pipton... I don't know the Eternals. I, I didn't know that Thanos had a brother. I, I... Yeah, Thanos had a brother. So, in the comic books, and I don't know if they're going to do this going forward, but in the comic books, both Thanos and Eros are Celestials. And... Uh, or, sorry, Eternals? they're both Eter- Eternals, sorry, is what I meant to say. They're both Eternals. And Eros is a Celestial variant, and Thanos is a Deviant variant. Yeah, I saw uh, something like that on uh, Instagram, actually, kind yeah. of explaining it. So, okay. Which is why he's all purple and stuff. Um, whether or not they'll dive fully into that, I don't know. Because if they do, based on the twist of this movie, that would imply that, but that Thanos is a robot? Which, boy, that would be tough to explain <laughs> based <laughs> on the Thanos we were getting. Like, it's just like, woo. So hopefully that's not really, like, hopefully they don't go that Thanos was a deviant route of... Uh, uh, if not, they gotta they gotta do some 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 good splaining, not some eternal style splaining, right? Like they'll have to to do, but like that was that was a lot of fun, but to me, it paled in comparison as fun as Pat Oswald Pit the Troll was. Um, the 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 Kit Harrington grabbing the ebony blade. As the Dane Whitman character, only to have Marhershala fucking Ali go, do you think you're ready for this? Setting up, oh my god, is that fucking Blade <laughs> in the scene? I had to look this up afterwards because I'm like, not only do I not know who Kit Harrington is, I have no idea who that voice was. And uh, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was oh, okay, well, well I, I'll be honest. I knew, I didn't put the Kit Harrington thing together right away. Like, because like, at the beginning of the movie, they set it up where... where uh, 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 Gemma Chan gives him the the ring, and, uh, and it's got like the ra- you know the Raven crest on the ring, and say, hey, here's your, it's got your family's uh, you know, uh, um, crest on it, and then she has the thing uh, where she calls him up and she says, make sure you you know when she's facetiming him, and it was like, again just Kit Harrington getting the bag for basically facetiming in this whole movie, not just yeah, a scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she going, you should reconcile with your uncle because you've only got like a few days left. Didn't pick up on it then. I didn't pick up on it until, uh, what's, um, uh, Angelina Jolie is on the set of, uh, is on their ship with all the stolen stuff and she picks up Excalibur and starts whipping it around and, uh, the Sprite character goes, cool, is that the Ebony Blade? And she goes, no, Excalibur. And when she said the Ebony Blade, I was like, oh, the Ebony Blade. And I go, oh, fuck, that was... Like, it did not occur to me right away that Kit Harrington was the fucking Black Knight. And then at the end of the movie, when they sat to him and he's standing in front of the thing, I was like, oh, shit! <laughs> and then the voice at the end was fucking Mahershala Ali. So I'm just like, oh, my God, they're going to be sword buddies. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh, it's so good. So... Just to give you a little bit of a hint, so first off, the Black Knight always triumphs, Kevin. Uh, uh, the 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 Don Whitman character is is a uh, he's called the Black Knight, and basically the Ebony Blade is a cursed sword. Um, like uh, the Black Knight is where they get in all their medieval uh, history, right? Like it's it's okay. similar to like Etragon in uh, where where Etragon is the through to the to like uh, to all the medieval stuff for DC. 
where, right. where you get your you get your Merlins. The Black Knight is that for Marvel, where this is how you get your Merlins and your Knights of the Round Table and your Percivals and 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 whatnots. And so if you want to do your if you want to do your medieval comic book storytelling um, while you're working for Marvel, this is uh, you have your Arthurian legend baked right in. <laughs> Absolutely. So that yeah, this is where your Arthurian stuff comes in for sure. And the thing, the ebony blade is a cursed blade. So uh, it 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 when the wielder basically you've got it like the blade's got to eat right like so he it, and it needs blood or souls or whatever. So you you got to be killing with it. And uh, it also like taught it you know it it it, it taught like in certain versions. Uh, Whoever is wielding the blade, it can talk to you. You know, it'll talk to you, and and you know, you get you, you get your 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 basic cursed weapon stuff as as a D and uh, was gonna say as a D and D player such as yourself, you, you uh, you're more than familiar with the concept of a of a cursed weapon. Um, it also reminds me of uh, katana. Yes, yes, absolutely. A little, little, little bit of that in there with the soul, the soul stealer uh, sword and whatnot. It, it's, it's like it's all there. It's, it's, uh, it's there's a lot of really good. I, I've read few, uh, some Black Knight stuff back in the day because I love all that Arthurian stuff. Not a huge fan, but I know like the sort of gist of, uh, of the the Black Knight character. Certainly more than I do the, uh, than I certainly more than I do for the Eternals themselves. Quite frankly. Um, that one made me uh, freak out, though. The fact that it was Mahershala Ali's voice going, "Are you ready for that, Mr. Whitman, or whatever?" And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Because, like, I, I would say, um, of the things that we have coming up in Phase Four, uh, none more exciting for Matt Pierce. I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, I'm I'm pretty juiced for. I'm I'm pretty juiced for. The fa- I'm, I'm like for the obviously the Spider-Man that's coming out next month, yep. And the Doctor Strange will be fun. Taika Waititi, Thor: Love and Thunder, but man, that Blade movie cannot get here fast enough for Matt. Yeah, Pierce. that that's the one oh. I'm looking forward to most of like the sort of properties that I am not already sort of familiar with. Like I my my exposure to Blade is minimal. Uh, we well, we did a commentary on this podcast where I loudly crunched celery into the microphone. Big fan. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Uh, but that's basically where my blade knowledge begins and ends. I, that's even the only blade movie that I've ever seen. Um, but, uh, but I am looking forward to it because I know that we've seen good stuff come out of my Ali, even in like Luke Cage. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Uh, it's been interesting lately for MCU stuff for me because we have Black Widow, which you and I, which is bad, <laughs> which is bad, yeah. and Eternals, uh, which was bad, and Shang Chi, which had a bad third act that I had no context for going in and loved. Yeah, Shang Chi uh, had more. Shang Chi had more good than bad, but definitely the third act was was extremely weak. So it, it, it contributed to the Marvel third act problems, but it was like Black Widow was flat out bad, Eternals was flat out bad, and Shang Chi, while a lot of fun and really good, had a bad third act. So they're like yeah. one and uh, they're like one out of three so far in yeah. Phase was, Four. For me, like I mean, Black Widow is somewhat a character that I knew going in because she's been in the movies up until now, like several of them. Shang-Chi and Eternals were two movies in a row of which I had no context whatsoever. Both sort of origin stories for characters that had not been introduced yet. 
Um, one movie I liked, one movie I didn't. Um, and so right now I am in the mood for Spider-Man because I am looking forward to a property that I know something about. You know, it's the third of the Tom Holland Spider-Man. There are, you know, at least um, cameo appearances, uh, you know. It's going it, to be fan it, service it in the greatest possible way. way. But there are at least cameo appearances for characters from past Spider-Man. Um, like, it's, it's a movie I'm looking forward to just for a, uh, like, comfort viewing at this point. Not something that I have to go in and be like, well, here's 12 new characters that I have to learn their names and their powers and their personalities and how they interrelate and stuff like that. Like, Eternals at Time felt like homework, and I'm looking forward to a popcorn movie like a third Spider-Man is going to be. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it'll be I, I like I said it's going to be fan service I think in the greatest possible way. The, yeah, sure. Uh, the, I'm ready for it. I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah, I yeah, man. I exactly. I think I think it's going to be I think we're going to get back on track with the Spider-Man movie for sure. Um and, and like listen, just because the Eternals flop doesn't mean they shouldn't start taking well, I guess I should flops kind of strong, but like it, it's divisive right now and it seems like it's heading towards being in the bottom tier in terms yeah, of re- how it's received. Either. I just think it's boring. No. <laughs> yeah, it was boring mostly. Um gorgeous looking though. Uh it, it but it was just not great. It's gonna be tough when you're rewatching the MCU. It's not gonna be one you're looking forward to. It's gonna be a while before I rewatch this one for sure. But it's yeah. it's well you can yeah. hope that it's sandwiched right like uh, mm-hmm. if, if Shang Chi was a overall good movie and you know Spider Man mm-hmm. uh, No Way Home is full of a bunch of fan mm-hmm. service and just good old comic book fun uh, then you know having this one in the middle of a rewatch isn't the worst thing in the world this um, was I'll say that having done a rewatch last year during the beginning of quarantine. Uh, going straight from Thor, Love and Thunder, or sorry, uh, Thor, The Dark World, um, which is bad, into uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which is excellent. Like, yeah, still I, the number one for me. Watch, watching both of those in a, in a single evening and, you know, ending on a high now. <laughs> yeah. So. The... I the, like this. This movie was obviously... Like, the overarching thing I'll say about this movie is it was... You gotta give Chloe Zhao credit. And this is where I'll I'll tie it back into uh, my opinion that it was like the Last Jedi, where Ryan Johnson, that that was who directed it, right? Ryan Johnson, the Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson took a swing. Chloe Zhao in this one absolutely took a swing in an attempt to not be like every every uh, every other Marvel movie, which it's certainly not. It certainly looks, feels, and is different from every other Marvel movie. There was no Unfor- glowing blue portal in the third act. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, that didn't necessarily mean this was a good film. I would have preferred if it was a good film, but it's not. But I hope that this does not deter them from taking more big swings because they have enough, fa- they have enough equity, enough brand equity that I think we can take some more big swings where they don't necessarily have to feel like all the Marvel movies kind of do. Even though I love all the Marvel movies for the most part. Um, it doesn't, I, I hope this doesn't deter them from taking big swings going forward because, you know, you take a big swing, you're going to hit a home run eventually. And then maybe we get like a all time great comic book movie because someone took a really big swing with a, uh, obscure character, right? Like it already happened once with guardians of the galaxy, right? Like I would say guardians of the galaxy was their big, cause that was the one everybody was hoping this movie would be right. Where it's like, we don't know anything about these guys. They're not the most popular, uh, 
brand name, but in the hands of a, a of a pretty good auteur. And Chloe Zhao's coming off a goddamn Oscar, right? So yeah, yeah. why 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 not let her do her thing? Yeah, of course. And it 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 just didn't work out, and and I no, hope that I, I, yeah, or so far it hasn't worked out. Like like on paper, it certainly seems like it hasn't worked out. But yeah. let's yeah, I just hope that doesn't deter them from from taking more big swings like this for sure. Nope, I, I definitely agree, and I don't think uh, it will stop because we've seen what's coming in the next few years, and there's some there's some mm-hmm. wild ideas in there, and certainly the uh, end credit scenes in uh, Eternals uh, speak to future wild ideas. So. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this hasn't put me off the MCU by any means. I don't think the MCU's no. dead or anything like that. I am, I am very much looking forward to uh, seeing what comes next, and uh, and and possibly, like like I said at the top of this podcast, you know, if they put out um, another series or a movie that involves these characters and it ends up being it making this movie better in retrospect, like I think that uh, future. Thor involving things did with Thor the Dark World for me. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it can still be redeemed in some small way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your overall grade for this one out of 10? Uh, I'm going to give this one like a six and a half. Ooh, uh, I, I, I'm like a five, five and a half, I think, out of 10. I think I'm going to go a, a grade lower uh, than you. But yeah, it's it's... It's it's not a good one. Do you have this one below Thor: The Dark World? Uh God, you know, it's hard to say. Um, it's tough for me because I think I think Thor: The Dark World is slightly more less boring. It like it, it, like Thor: The Dark World's not good, but it's not boring. This movie's boring. Yeah, right? like, and I and I think it's gonna end up being uh, I, I think below Thor: The Dark World for me. Yeah, um, it, it's tough because I got some recency bias, and obviously I, I'm I'm still sort of mulling over my thoughts in this. Uh, I think I recording th- the podcast, um, but it's on that tier. Um, time is going to tell. I'm not ready to make that call now because it's still the the wound is still too fresh on this one. But this has a chance, I think, to supersede Thor: The Dark World for me yeah. as the worst Marvel as the worst entrance in the MCU because um, yep, it's too long and it's and it's too long and it's boring and I, and I think it's there and I think that the sprite character might have superseded the Trevor Slattery character for most annoying <laughs> MCU character for me too so it did a bit of a trauma twofer <laughs> in this movie so far um yeah not not great anyway we'll, we'll be back you're gonna be back on next month when we review um uh spider-man no way home that's gonna be great uh we're Maybe hoping i don't before that <laughs> oh that's right we got a little hawkeye um i hope there's more kate bishop than than uh jeremy runner <laughs> jeremy runner yeah for sure uh, uh that's how i hope that goes but we'll see uh, all i'll say going into that is if they're doing sort of a christmas uh sort of themed movie that makes me think that it might be like their attempt at a we, we talked about like how at the MCU, despite having their sort of formula that they go with, they still have like uh, genre movies and so on. Um, if this ends up being sort of like a MCU diehard entrant, <laughs> I think that it could be really enjoyable. I, I'm yeah. very happy with the uh, Disney Plus series so far, so I am looking forward to it, despite it being a Hawkeye. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, last thing I'll say about this movie is Marha, Mahershala Ali as Blade forever, please. Forever yes. is what I will say. That movie can't get here fast enough. Um, so that's it. Uh, 
for this podcast, Crossover Podcast, available at the crossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, and we're on iTunes. Please rate and subscribe. Five stars only. We're also on pretty much any of your favorite podcatchers that you can find us on, so please look us up on whatever your preferred uh, app is for downloading podcasts. We're, all, we're on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please check us out and leave a review on there. And, uh, yeah, that will be it for this podcast. Next time we'll be talking comics, we'll either be Hawkeye or... Uh, will either be Hawkeye or Spider-Man Away From Home. And also, I'm not 100% committing to it, but we're hoping to have a fun special thing to release on Christmas Day as sort of a fun Christmas present for the few listeners that we have out there on this podcast because we're hoping to to get back and do a a fun, again, not committing to it 100%, but we're hoping we can find some time during the holiday season to record a commentary track because we haven't done a commentary track in forever, and and it'll be a good one. Um, Kevin, thanks for doing this. As always, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time on the Crossover Podcast. (laughs) 